This is a Crow's Nest podcast. Welcome to Titanic Talkline. I am Alexia and I am here with Fanny Brett Fabold. I did I say that right? You said it perfectly. Fanny Brett. Yeah. Fanny Brett. Rabo. Perfect. Oh, yay. Bonjour. <laughs> Bonjour. Ça va? Ça va, merci et toi, Alexia. Ça va, ça va bien. Uh, that's all the French I know. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, I, I actually feel bad because I cut uh, Fanny off in the middle of something that we were talking about. We're talking about something especially prescient, um, which was relation to the SAG strikes right now and the use of AI. And I started this by pointing out that I was dismayed at how many of my friends I see just like on social media and Facebook and Instagram be like sharing things of like, oh, look at these beautiful portraits that were generated through, I don't even know, like a platform, like through Midjourney or whatever AI and people will share like, oh, look at this beautiful aesthetic art of, I don't know, a mushroom cottage, but it's AI generated. Uh, and it, it's frustrating sometimes to see these things passed around because in their minds, they're thinking, oh, it's just this beautiful image. I'd like to share it. But, you know, when you know what it is, it's frustrating because what you see is the theft of so much work. Yeah, and it's and it's the case. And it's absolutely true what you're saying. The, the thing that we were uh, talking about together before mm-hmm. you started putting Alexia is that the fact that I was sharing with you, you know, as a dubbing producer, mm-hmm. also, uh, I was getting tackled already like three or four years ago by AI companies because during the pandemic, they realized that they were going to have to develop more and more stuff for people working from home and stuff. Right. Although they were started to develop this stuff way before the pandemic. Now, what I saw, what I witnessed already three years ago was some specific programs they had you know, uh, all the way going to recreating the move of the mouth when the actor is speaking a different language and the mouth is going to adapt also to the same movement. So if I say bonjour in French and I'm going to say hello in American, see the bonjour and the hello is not ending the same on my mouth. Well, they will manage this. So when I witness this as a producer, of course, the first thing you think is numbers. You're like, wow. Uh I'm not going to need that many actors. If I'm a good director and a good actor, I can do a lot on my own already. So, of course, you see, you know, that production is not going to be as costly. And as an actor, it broke my heart, completely broke my heart. I'm like, what am I going to, how am I going to deal with that? And how am I going to deal with it with my actors, you know, being an actor myself? So uh, they're striking right now, which I absolutely encourage and I understand if I was in L.A., I would be, you know, with my fellows over there. Um, the thing is that SAG seems to be like, you know, coming last minute, selling their T-shirts and their cute little bags to their actors to go on strike in the street. But what are they doing? I mean, they've been knowing that for a long time now. Studios, VO or on-camera stuff, on-camera production, they've been stealing images and voices and cloning for a long time. It's been done. I know a lot of actors witnessed that a long time ago. But now that they're doing it more and more and they want to try to officialize it, everybody's waking up. It's too mm-hmm. far, it's too late. It is too late. 
we created the devil and the devil is walking on his own right now. And since there's so many people who can see how much money they can save, we're just collateral damage. So instead of trying to fight and going, oh, it's too bad, you can't use AI for this, it is too late. You need to reinvent yourself and find ways to use AI for your own business. And don't put all your eggs in the same basket because it's going to eat you faster than you realize. And I'm it's, sorry. It's sad. It's strong statement. It, I'm killing hopes there. But if you only knew how close I am to my actors community and how protective I am of them, I always defend them. I cannot stand when they're not treated well. I cannot stand when they're not well paid. But you cannot act yet like you didn't see it coming. It was all over. It's been all over for the last three to four years. And then again, it's very hard for an artist to see the technology progress when all you do is keep going and making a living for yourself with your creativity as a writer, as an actor, as a director. We have to meet so many people all the time to book one gig. And then we have to worry about the future. Well, guess what? And that's what's happening to us. And um, there is gonna, there is the old world and it's going to be the new world. And it's our responsibility now in our private life and in professional life to create a transition as comfortably as possible. But there's going to be a lot of broken people. It's really sad. I know I wish I could tell you uh, better, but I don't sugarcoat things. That's my signature in uh, this industry and I'm not going to lie to try to help to make people feel better. Well, I don't think that anyone would want you to, I mean, I especially wouldn't want anyone to ever, you know, sugarcoat their thoughts, especially when it is something as, as serious as this, you know, this is, this isn't just like, Oh, a strike is happening. This is a battle on both sides for how the industry is going to progress forward as yeah. things go it's it's it is okay i don't want to make it sound like it's not about the terms of the actors and everything because it is it isn't about not about that it isn't not about the treatment of people it is about those things but the greater thing to me about this strike is about this is how the this is a industry changing moment and it is going to affect every aspect of this industry going forwards that's why it's so important. It's not just about we would like our favorite creators to be protected because, of course, that's what we want. You know, like you and Alexandra Boyd and a bunch of the other people who are involved, you know, in, you know, Titanic related projects. Not to say that if you're not involved in Titanic, you're unimportant, but you're extra important on this show if you're related to Titanic. But, you know, it's not just about that. It's about making sure that people are going to be OK going forwards. And I have a just a really sad feeling that they won't be. And that's disappointing. It's, yeah, especially oh. it's exactly how I felt when the pandemic hit. I had six productions going at that time with uh, uh, three series and two films to dub for Netflix. I said to myself, there is two possibilities. Either I'm going to freak out and go into the fear, fear factor mode, which is logical. Mm -hmm. Or I don't want my productions to stop. I'm going to find a way to keep them going. And that's what we did. We created a way to do it from home. I helped my actors to get set up from their booths, to create their booths from home. My husband created a workflow with the sound engineer at home, the director at home, the actor at home, and I kept those productions going. And you know what? Keeping going no matter what is a fuel. 
you know, for your engine, for your creativity. Again, I'm not saying it's easy, but you choose. You choose to freak out or you choose to meditate and really listen to your instinct. And we are, we are beings of survival. You know, we survive. That's what we do. We know how to survive. Living is better than surviving. But in the surviving instinct, I think there's a lot of reflexes and answers and force that we can find that we wouldn't find any other way uh, if there was not, not a sense of emergency. So I do believe that it's our responsibility of humans to not underestimate ourselves uh, yes, people in California, the cost of life is so expensive. Move away or get a roommate or whatever you need to do to lower your costs, to have more chance of thinking for yourself, what's your next move? And if you're a creative person, if you write, if you act, if you sing, if you cast, if you to write, you have an ability to, you have a brain that looks for solutions naturally. So don't go into the fear factor. But what if, what if, what if I'm going to lose this? Well, guess what? You are losing it. You are losing everything. Okay. So, but there are ways, you know, of reaching to other communities, of uh, using certain talents that you have that you forgot you had, you know, and uh, don't isolate and get into the fear of taking the wrong medicines, <laughs> you know, and into paranoia and fear because this is the worst that can happen to you and your human system so if you freak out reach out to your community i'm freaking out i don't know what to do but yes but you're great at this you're great at that you should get called that guy because oh no but that's not what i like to do yes but you're good at it so go back and do that for now you know things like that don't hide don't go into the fear factor go into the natural new creativity that's going to emerge from it i know it's easy to say again it's a lot of um, brain uh, research. <laughs> you got to mm -hmm. research brain and your own abilities and communicate with the people you respect, with the people who respect you in the industry and find solutions together. I don't think walking in the street is only, you know, some people are amazing on what they're trying to do with accomplishing with that, SAG and all that. But you have to be part of your community, but also as an individual, what, you do, what do you do for yourself? Again, all that or theories, it's hard to um, practice uh, on a daily basis. I have a particularly what's going to seem like narrow focused answer because it's going to seem as though I'm being very self-centered. But now is actually a really good time for people who do want to expand into other things. Um, if you are a performer and you, you want to get in it, find podcasts that have to do with your other interests. Go on there and talk about them like... Um, uh, if you, for example, I met somebody, uh, I work at a university and I would, we were told we were going to tour a scientific glass shop and traditionally you go and that's where they make things that are done for scientific experiments and for research. I do not have enough time to get into how cool that was. But on the other hand, the, um, the glass blower there talked about his artistic interest and showed us some stuff that he had made purely for the art of it. And it's that sort of thing where, he clearly has an interest in the artistic side on his personal life. And, you know, it'd be, you know, in the same way where it's like, I'm sure that everyone has other interests. And if you have interest in doing this or talking about your, if you're an actor talking about your writing or something else that you're wanting to try, find a podcast that's like a reasonably popular podcast, especially if you're a performer, you'll have a bit of a following where big podcasts will talk to you. Like they don't talk to me. So <laughs> 
use what you have use your name and yes. use your sway use it to talk to big names like i used i love the podcast my favorite murder they started out and they'll tell you themselves their whole story is like we just started out because we were two people that met each other and now they have a podcasting empire where they have their own podcast network and production studio and it's huge because they leaned into it i mean i'm not saying everyone's going to get that lucky but there are shows with that level of sway and that level of audience you can tap into that well yeah absolutely i mean there are you know kindness is the new currency in our business now there's less and less assholes now in the industry and now american people are finally like opening their mouths like hey don't talk to me like that hey show me some respect i've seen a lot of fears also uh, in studios but they're to get fed up you know and so fight for yourself you know uh in store respect kindness still in the business and continue on following being staying open and following your instinct you know if you don't feel that situation leave it right away if you're attracted but you don't know why go it's like almost we have to rely on our animal instinct right now, you know? I don't know why I felt that, but you know what? There was this webinar, I went out, and you know what? I had a revelation, I want to do that. You know, voila. instead of feeling like upset because, oh my God, it took me so long to reach that level of success. Now I have to do something else. Well, guess what? The time you spend on being angry, it's time you're wasting and finding the new direction. And what you have acquired, it's still here. Okay, there's your reputation. There is, you know, people wanting to work with you in this area, although right now there's not a lot of work. Yeah. So, you know, again, I think reducing cost in your life right now is super important. Again, if you're in California, get a roommate or move away from California. And then continue to show your true intention and work. And I've seen that with the people I employ. I've seen that with the people I collaborate when you come and you don't know much about things, but you come because you want it to go well and you want to give your best, people will want to teach you anything, okay? The issue I've been having as a producer or as a uh, uh, dub director, voice director sometimes is people think they know and they don't like to be told how to do stuff. And, you know, I like 10,000 times a beginner that's like, yes, yes, I want to learn. Then the, come on, Fanny, you don't need to tell me this. I know, I know. Okay, I'll just record it. I know, I know. And then you record and you don't get what you expect to get because this is a pro actor who doesn't like to be told how to do it. It's not I'm telling you how to do it. I'm telling you what I need for the content. It's not for me. It's for the content. And kindness is the new currency and being optimistic and happy about learning the new thing you need to learn. And you'll be so surprised. There are so many people when they come with just the right intention and when you honor their confidence, their self-confidence and their self-esteem, they are the first one who are like, oh, I did it. Wow, you took me there. Or no, thank you. You came to me. You trusted me. It's a teamwork. You know, it's not because I have more experience than you that I'm not going to learn from you. You see, like with this industry now, egos are starting to be shot. You know, and enduring people are going to stay humble, enduring, kind. Kindness is super important. Where is this from that I can talk to you like a piece of shit because I'm your boss? Because I have the client breathing in my ears, so I need to be an asshole with my sound engineer. No, I don't. 
So it's happening more and more. And uh, I think our humanity and our compassion and our empathy towards ourselves and towards the other people that can reciprocate that kind of feeling are your new teams. You know, we help out. I help out a lot of people in my community and, and they help me out a lot too, you know, and that's what, that's what we have left. And those people you're talking about this huge podcast, it's because they believed in it. They were passionate and they put the hard, the, the extra hard work. There's no, they were not lucky. It worked because they had all the ingredients for it to work. And hard work and good attitude, I think, is very important. I think that it's it's true. I will say I do think that for some people it is it is luck. Um, I think that luck does factor into it, but it isn't to say that what is it? Uh, what is it that Cal says in the movie? Some, a real man makes his own luck. And oh, I didn't see that. He said it's it's a Billy Zane line that you know says pretty. He kind of mumbles it. So to be fair, it only sticks out to me because I remember hearing it in the tone when I watched the movie and being like, "That's so rude," because um, I've always been a super judgmental person. But um, <laughs> good to recognize I, it. <laughs> I, you know, I I, I like tea, uh, literally and figuratively. But uh, where was I going with this? Oh, where I was going with that is that, you know, when you look at that sentence in a vacuum, it's not absolutely terrible. You can in some fashion, maybe not always, sometimes your circumstances are unsurmountable, but in many cases, you can try to make your own luck. Yeah. It can be hard, but you can. Yeah. I mean, there's, I don't, the more I go through life, Alexia, um, the more I realize it's not luck. You know, it's the traces you left behind. Some people have memory. Some people have jealousy and will try to pin you against the wall, but there are some amazing, you know, people you meet through life and you share and they remember you sometimes like me. I remember specific people. You go back to them, you remember them. It's, 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 it's really where you decide to uh, see yourself next. You know, uh, do I see myself miserable and freaking out because I don't have the answers right now? I will probably be miserable. Do I decide that, oh, well, we've been reinventing ourselves nonstop since the pandemic now. So, well, bring it on. And since I'm still here. So there's no reason why I shouldn't be here tomorrow. Still happy. You know, keep the visual and keep the good, the good thoughts. Freaking out and being scared and terrified will only slow down your ability to find um, your new comfort zone. I wish we'd had this interview a day earlier because yesterday I had an absolute meltdown over something completely minor. Okay, to be fair, it wasn't completely minor, but did I need to explode like I did? Potentially not. I do that a lot, That's though. Interesting. <laughs> what happened? I like that. You revealed, but maybe you needed to let go of something. You know? uh, I, to be fair, what I needed to let go, go of wasn't something I should let go of, which is when someone is not telling you the truth and you can prove it. Like if someone oh. says that the house you're moving into has been cleaned and you walk inside and there's dust and literally. Ev- yeah. And there's dead bugs and shit everywhere. You're like, I hate to tell you this, but someone lied to you and it wasn't me. But so I got very mad about it. But that- <laughs> you make that person understand your point. Yeah. I just don't think it was going to resolve anything. Here's the other thing that I want to you know, say to the honest that sometimes like, 
here's what I wanted. Here's the outcome I wanted. I'm just going to say what I wanted was for the people leasing it to, me, to us to acknowledge this and be like, oh, you know, sorry. Because I think that the the land, the owner of the house does not live in the state. So he hasn't seen the house in quite some time. Therein for, you know, you're reliant on what other people tell you. And if someone told me they did something, I'm pretty trust trusting. I'd probably be like, well, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. You need like, to oh, thanks. Trust- not control and verify everything precisely but you know i then went in and was like hey i'm sorry to tell you but this isn't isn't the case and you know i'm not saying that you are lying but i'm saying that some part of this equation is wrong and what i wanted them to do is just be like sorry about that we'll you know have that taken care of but instead what ended up happening was you know a compromise where my boyfriend was like we just moved in this place and don't necessarily want to rock the boat. So why don't, you know, we'll hire someone I'll cover it. And I know I want to do that, but it's one of, I'll deal with that in, in, in the future. But you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's kind of like, I, what I wanted clearly isn't going to happen. Like I sent over at least 50 photos of and the pictures and they saw it. So yeah. Um, uh, the cleaning fees basically i'm gonna send a message and be like you know we had it taken care of etc cetera, etc cetera. but you know it, it was frustrating to me to not have the exact outcome that i wanted um yeah. but unfortunately for the, the reason i bring it up is because the unfortunate thing is i didn't exactly get to get mad at the person i wanted to be mad at it just means that my boyfriend had to deal with me being frustrated for a while and yeah. you know that was an undue burden for him because in his defense he didn't do it he didn't make this house a mess he didn't hire this person he didn't do anything but because he's, you know, my person, he had to deal with me being an unholy terror for a hot minute. Well, I mean, honey, it's like, I mean, I'm saying, honey, sorry, I'm very... I don't, uh, from I'm from America, Maryland. But, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I, I I give cute words like that to people. I know it's annoying. It annoys people. Um, it's, not just affectionate. it's just affectionate and it's not disrespectful in any ways. Doesn't bother um, me. <laughs> all right. Um, well, um you know, the, unfortunately, um, this is what we go through as relationships. You know, the first one affected in front of the husband or the wife or the girlfriend or the boyfriend or whatever. It's going to be the first one in front of you. It's going to be the person you live with, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's natural. You're frustrated. He's going to hear about it first. <laughs> yeah. That's the way and... it is. You know, I work with my husband and we live together and we work from home. So let me tell you, sometimes, you know, it. it's not fair, but. It was not about you, babe. Sorry, but came out wrong. And he's like, you know, sometimes he takes it personally. Sometimes it don't. He doesn't and vice versa. Human relationships are complicated. And we live in a really interesting era of like, of TikTok, where you have this combination of people curating their image to be like, look at me and my beautiful, perfect family. And then you have some people who are like, here's the hot mess I live in. Welcome to the honesty. Uh, And it's, it's a very interesting dichotomy but for the longest time social media was all about showing off this so curated image of how good everything was and like almost acknowledging yeah. that things might be bad was like don't do that it's a sin and you will pay for it later where is your candle light it now it was very about that polished image and i find that super interesting because it kind of reminds me a little bit of the 1912-ish period where it was all about like, how am I being perceived by the world around me, which is mostly consisting of strangers whose approval for some reason I desperately need. Yeah, the thing is that now, and that's why I love TikTok so much, 
uh mm-hmm. is that uh that's the only platform we have right now that's not completely censored i mean i don't know if you notice it's like you can't say anything on facebook now really uh, my husband is a technician you know so when he sees he's a little bit like you like he doesn't like to hear lies so he's like no, no no this is fake news this is why and he brings you know the facts and all that he likes to explain takes the time next minute he's banned for 60 days in facebook because he offended right. somebody and uh so there we go you cannot offend anybody you need to look good and be always positive and stuff and that's the truth on uh instagram and facebook what i love about tiktok is that first of all we're getting some real political uh comments and testimonies and also you know like retired people from cia from fbi they want to relieve their conscience and they're talking and believe me when somebody's telling the truth you can tell that they're not here to make themselves look good, they're here to tell their truth because they need to relieve themselves. I love that. I love that we can access that. And, you know, a lot of politicians wants to cut TikTok right now. Why? Because they're not getting the narrative they want. Whether it's blue or red, I don't care. I'm just saying we want the truth. Nobody is clean. No one is clean and proper in our governments, whether it's in my country in France or here in the United States. Oh, I don't no. believe thing I hear anymore. When I see TikTok sometimes and real testimonies about nurses, uh, real doctors who really care about patients who are advising supplements instead of more chemicals. When I hear about testimonies from CIA agents, retired or uh, retired military people that really tell their the real stuff, I'm like, oh okay. That I can I can I can connect to, you know, and explore. And no, the background doesn't look good. And yeah, the guy is not super well dressed. And oh, there's not there's not enough enough, you know, uh colors in his post or whatever. I don't care. I like the authenticity of this platform, of this platform. And I am done with social media. I mean, to be honest with you, I post, you know, my stuff because I need to get my clients and I need to be, you know, alive in my community because I really care about my community of actors. But uh, I should do posting on TikTok all the time. Say, hey, you know, this is what I want to tell you guys. What I... But I'm, I'm, I'm fried on it. I'm fried. I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's so much work to be present on social media now. It's a job on its own. Mm-hmm. And unless you hire people to do it for you, you're going to be behind, you know. And I'm at a point right now, I don't care what people think of me when they watch me on social media. I'm bringing some news. You like it. You don't. I don't care. I really don't. Right now I'm seeing you. I mean, I know it's just a, uh, a podcast. I'm myself. I have no makeup. I'm wearing my little blue dress. I'm going outside, inside. I am Fanny, okay? You you deal with me the way you want. What you think of me doesn't matter. I'm just going to make the best of that moment with you because we promised each other that it will happen and we're making it happen. You know, yeah. again, power of intention. What you think of me at the end of the day, honey, I don't care. And you shouldn't care about what I think of you either. You're going back to your life after that. <laughs> you know? That's true. And I think that's a really healthy attitude to have. You know, I, I, I unfortunately have some people pleasing tendencies. So I tend to really want people to like me, even, even if it doesn't matter. And that's something that I'm working on. And I think that it's important to acknowledge like you are that, as you said, very poignantly, we're going back to our lives after this. It's not to say that if we if we meet again, we're going to hate each other or go back to zero and be like, hi, we've never met. It's just to say that, you know, not every interaction is meant to be permanent, long lasting and life affecting. Yes, yes. And again, people are going through so much shit right now and so many changes. 
uh, stop thinking that you're you're the only one struggling. Okay, we're all in the same boat. Okay, so have some decency and understand that you're not the only one that's trying to figure out the new stuff that we need to go through. And remember also, if you're authentic into your own stress and fear, verbalize it. Say, hey guys, it's a post. I'm posting this. I'm freaking out. I need comfort right now. I'm feeling bad about myself. Just go with it. Use social media also without your makeup, with your real tears. Ask for help if you need them at a moment. Again, authenticity is what can really help and uh, make people want to help you, actually. I agree. I mean, you know, I had a few moments in the course of making the show. It's been a little over a year since I've been doing it where I have felt bad for like having a show up late just because I forgot or something or this and that. And every time I've just made a post on social media and simply been honest, like, hey, uh, been super depressed lately. Fucked it up. Sorry about it. it it's coming back. No one's ever yes. been like, you ruined my Saturday. I count on this show. If you count on the show, I feel so bad for you. Please reach out to me and I will help you as best I can but if someone you know no one's ever reacted like that everyone's always just been like are you okay take time for yourself yeah the truth the truth how many times during productions I mean I cannot there's always human error you know and always human error will happen and that's human you know you get creative it's gonna get messy and of course in every productions I fuck up something you know I'm oh I'm sorry I didn't see that email my bad I was recording so sorry you text me on whatsapp I didn't get my signals you know from whatsapp i had no idea my 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 faults my bad how can i help you it's okay to recognize you know we cannot be always on top of it uh just be kind and apologize if you messed up and it's okay most people okay. are very understanding I... yeah I, the, the problem again is like it's always same stories a lot of people are in this industries for the wrong reason if you're here just because you want to be known and seen you know do something else because it's a lot, a lot of work to work in this industry. And nothing is ever, ever uh, accomplished completely. I mean, you have no security. And that's just the, the journey you take on. And we have even less nowadays. So if you have your little ego and think that the industry owes you anything, don't go there. The industry doesn't owe you anything. You're the one who's going to create your next reality with the industry, not the other way around. I don't even think it's just the industry. I think that anything that you do looking for fulfillment will leave you unfulfilled. Yes. And that, it doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> but, Very well said. Uh, I forgot for a moment that I actually have a topic to my own show. But um, we met at the Titanic convention. Yes, we did. So I know what your Titanic story is. But would you tell everyone what your Titanic yeah! story is? Yay. Yes, first Alexia. <laughs> um, my story is uh, so it was twenty five years ago. Uh, I was, I think, I was twenty five or twenty six, and I just had my green card in LA. It was in uh, yeah, 90, 1996, 1997. and I was looking for a manager. I got my manager, and she's like, "Okay, well, you ready? You will very well trained." Um, let's uh, find you an agent. So I was starting to do uh, agent shopping with her and I met with Irv Schechter Company at that time. It was a medium agency in uh, Wilshire Boulevard, Miracle Mile. 
And I made the suggestion. He's like, "Oh, you're adorable. I love you very much, but no, I'm not going to take you because your French accent is too strong at that time. It's true, it was very strong. Now I, you know, I've learned how to drop my accent and sound American, just like the way I'm sound right now. You know, I can't sound American. <laughs> Why would you do that? Well, because it's useful <laughs> to get work. <laughs> but um, my Euro accent, the way you hear like a tiny Euro accent, this is my regular way of speaking." And uh, he said, well, I'm not taking you in the agency, but there is this audition for you that would be great because they need the actress to speak English and French at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to send you the audition. It was an audition for Malifine, who is the one of the best casting director I've ever met in my career. She's just an adorable lady who loves actors. And I try to treat my actors like that because she just makes you feel so special. So basically, she sent me the history of my character, who was Leontine Aubert, uh, mistress of uh, Guggenheim. Um, Guggenheim was one of the richest men at that time. And there was only there was a lot of rich people in the boat, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he met me in Paris. Uh, I was uh, some kind of like, you know, hosting, uh, singing shows in Montmartre. Uh, I was a little bit of a woman of the night, you know. And uh, I think yeah, Guggenheim and Madame Aubert started to have an affair together uh, not long after they met in Paris. So he decided to take her in the boat with her in Titanic. And his wife didn't know about it. So I go, I prepare my audition. I They want an improv with uh, the beginning, the middle and the end. Uh, the only direction I got was that they wanted my character when I was improv- improv- improvising, they wanted my character to speak English and then French and then French and then English. Mm-hmm. They wanted a bilingual actress. So I went with my boyfriend at the time, who was an actor, too, because they wanted uh, me to come with a scene partner. Uh, I did my improv. I just told him, I said, you're going to walk. Uh, I'm going to be already in the room. You're walking and I'm going to be very distant with you and very sad because I just found out that you cheated on me. That was the only thing I told my scene partner. So he came in. I was already very charged emotionally because I knew he cheated on me. And we did the scene. And every time I was speaking in French, like saying, uh, me regarde pas comme ça, je sais que tu m'as menti. Don't look at me like that. I know you lied to me. Mais pourquoi tu penses que je te regarde comme ça? Why do you think I'm looking at you like that? Right. So every time I was saying something in French, I would repeat the same thing in English. Mm-hmm. And then the emotion, you know, was starting to raise, to raise and to raise until I wanted to cry. I didn't cry. I just had one tear drop in my in my cheek. And then the uh, casting director called Cut. We had a uh, somebody was filming the scene camera on shoulder at that time. You see the great audition we had. He was following me everywhere in my audition. It was lovely. I had a very good feeling when I left. I prepared the scene very well. And I booked it without a callback a month and a half later. Wow. So that was big. That was my first American gig. I had a lot of people excited around me and I just didn't know really what was happening to me. I guess my rep at that time was had some political issues with her son's career. So she was not very close to me at that time. She should have pushed me more. That's for sure. Uh, What happened after that? I went to Rosarito in Mexico and uh, they did put hair extension on me. They taught us, they gave us half a day of a course to eat with all the silverwares on the table because I was in the dinner table scene, member. Mm-hmm. So we had to, you know, uh, 
to learn how to use all those forks, all those different knives, and da, 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 and how they were holding the spoon. Da, da, da. It was really cute. And then I went to wardrobe. Um, that was the most impressive to me, Alexia, because you have those huge like warehouses that they built in Rosarito. It was like one, two, three, four stories of clothing. They had to get like a long, long stick to get that dress all over there. All the stuff was coming from the UK, period dresses and coats and hats. I've never seen so much wardrobes of period pieces in my life. It's very impressive. It sounds amazing. It sounds, it's really amazing. Then they look at you, you know, they check you out, they scan you, those wardrobe ladies. And then I, okay, we going row F, 13 G, whatever, blah, blah. You walk, you walk. And then you stumble like, the one over there. And then they grab it. They grab three dresses and corsets and all that and try them on and it's true you when you try those real costumes you know you feel something mm. the dress was the perfect size for me i looked absolutely adorable i was very impressed i was very shy during the whole process you know it was my first gig you know <laughs> so i left i uh, went back home after those two days and then they called me back to come back and shoot the dinner table scene that you see me in the film I did that first scene. I was sitting at the dinner table scene. First, we were standing. Then we were going to the table. And then we would have dinner. Uh, there was a mini moment between uh, Leo and Kate. And then there was uh, Katie Bates doing a monologue, which actually they only could get the end of it. In that scene, I was not supposed to talk. But James Cameron gave me a line, which I probably rehearsed in my head a thousand times. I was extremely nervous. We had the scene we rehearsed for four days. We ate caviar for four days. And then when we started to shoot, there was no more caviar. So we were eating rotten caviar. Stinky. Um, everybody was very stressed. Uh, lots of uh, atmosphere smoke. The the corset, the corsets were really tight. So lots of people were complaining. But I was having a ball, man. I had eyes everywhere. Uh, I hear always a lot of negative things about James Cameron. I'm always, I will always defend him. This man, he's a genius. I've never seen him yell or scream after asking two or three times first of what he needs. He was extremely respectful to me, gave me very sweet directions. He saw I was new and I was, you know, very green and he was very kind. I saw him uh, directing and being with Leo and uh, Leo and Kate and, you know, he was very, Kate is much more academic. So she needs to concentrate, focus, and get prepared. Leo is the opposite. He likes to goof around, tease you all the time. They were like really best friends on set. It was lovely to see them. Very innocent relationship. Lots of fun. Leo was always trying to make her lose her cool. You know, it was a game. <laughs> between uh, Billy Zen was uh, a little tense, you know, at times. At times, uh, the guy who was playing Guggenheim was playing my husband, but I was 25 at that time. He was 72. So it was a little, you know, I was all bubbly and he was all like, oh, I'm tired. I want to have lunch now. <laughs> but um, the beauty of the set, uh, the amount of energy spent by people, you know, um, it was very hard on Jim because that scene was shot a little after they finished to shoot in the water tanks and shooting in water tanks is what shot the production right from the start so expensive to shoot in money and even if the water tanks are being kept warm once you get cold in water you get cold and then the, the yes. actors need to come up 
and then you need to bring them down. And then, you know, there's a lot of other issues that you have with working in water and uh, a lot of money was spent. So after I, I did that scene, uh, James told me, he said, okay, this scene is just the introduction of your, of your character. You're going to be brought back to lose it emotionally in the lifeboats because you're going to see your lover falling. And that's why I was, I did my audition for, I was supposed to lose it emotionally. Right. Well, turn out that, um, they called me back. It was like a month later. I was uh, at my uh, waiting table job. It was 11 p.m. Uh, my boyfriend at the time came to pick me up. Said Titanic call last night. They're coming to pick you up at noon tomorrow. Well, prepare. I need to pick you up because you need to prepare your bag. Da da da. So I left work. I packed my bags at noon. I was waiting for the limo. Noon, noon 15, noon 30, noon 45. No one is there. I pick up the phone. I called production in Rosarito. Thank God I made friends with a second director there. She was a sweetheart. And she's like, oh, my God, Fanny, I'm so sorry. We forgot to call you your character. We won't need the reaction of your character because we're cutting budget and we're going to have Guggenheim die inside the boat. Remember when he's drinking his whiskey and he's all by himself. And it's just like, it's not about you, sweetie. We had to cut cost. So what I was casted for was never shot. But the beauty of it and this is that I got to work for 10 days on Titanic. I learned so much and my character stayed in the picture because some people were on Titanic for six months of their life. They can't even see their hand in the film. So they can say, oh yeah, I worked on Titanic. But if you if you don't see your face, you, your name is not going to be kept at the credit. And that's so unfair. So to this day, I'm still getting residuals. <laughs> and I, I'm i very proud that I was part of this because, my God, it became such a big thing. And I think, you know, Alexia, it became a bigger thing now than before. That's The 25th fair. anniversary is making it like a very big statement. And you can see the community that there is. Oh, my God. It's uh, mind-blowing. It hits nostalgia for a lot of people. And I think that over the course of the pandemic, especially nostalgia culture really hit people hard. You know, yeah. there was two things happened. Number one, I think people needed escapes. And number two, I think people started to embrace the idea that it's okay to like things, even if they're quote unquote childish. If you like My Little Pony, buy one. If you yeah. love Titanic, have it. Yeah, it's very American too. You know what I love about the American mentality is that when you guys love it, you love it. You don't care. You <laughs> like kids. That's what I love about those people. I, it's my first time. It was my first Titanic con. And I mean, if there's like more people like this and other events, I will do them. They were just so, they're like kids. They're like, hi, Penny. They have two kids. They have big jobs, whatever. But when they see you, they're five years old. Hi, Penny. I know this about your character. I want to, I want somebody to speak to you because I'm going to, he's going to FaceTime you from Australia because he bought the earrings of your character. So cute, you know? Yes. And then I have the guy. He's like, Oh, hi. Oh my God. It's you. Oh, I'm like, hi. He's like, do you want to see earrings? I'm like, okay. And he shows me the earrings and he's so happy. And it's just little things like that in this crazy world we live in. I'm like, you know, you know, guys, that makes me feel so good. That's so adorable. It's so innocent. They don't, they're not hurting anybody. They, they, they make, they do the little savings to come to Vegas and, and, and say, Oh, can I have a, can I take a picture with you? I mean, come on. Yes, of course you can have a picture with me. I just think it's very, 
naive and adorable. It it's simple in a way, and yeah, I will say I just I brought up a picture from the movie, and those are some pretty 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 earrings. <laughs> so those are some nice earrings. Yeah, I could also be, I could also be happy about owning them just because I was like, those are some pretty fly earrings. I can into that. <laughs> no, but it's, that. it's true. I mean, it's it's lucky to be in this adventure. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of period pieces. I love mm-hmm. costumes and all that. So, you know, when they're trying to recreate such a complicated reality and they make it happen because the lighting, the clothing and the decors were amazing in Titanic. Yes. And, you know, they did everything they could to kill James Cameron's reputation, saying that he was killing 20th Century Fox and stuff. I mean, look at the money they made. You know, the guy took a big big chance you know he did put his a big risk on his own career himself but he created so many jobs and he he changed he changed a lot of people's life but for some reason it's always the same case when somebody's changing things and creating opportunities there's always assholes to be mad at him for that (laughs) you know i have tremendous respect for him he got so tired of living in california and malibu and all that he moved to uh uh new zealand we lost indeed. James Cameron. You know, yeah. he's in New Zealand now because he's tired of the having to justify and pay for everybody that's frustrated and unhappy with him when he's been creating so many fucking jobs for so many people. People don't have memory. They're just, you know. I know that I you... think people in general, not everybody's yeah. like that. But well, I, I know. I um... really appreciate James and his professionalism and his obsessions and his brain is always in ebullition and he's always trying to find solutions and he has dreams mm-hmm. you know he creates new technology himself you know just to make us fly for a minute you know with beautiful pictures i just you know i i'm, I'm honored to know this man and i will always defend him i in defense of him as well, because you were talking about how beautiful everything was. Again, I still I have this photo up from the movie. You mentioned getting hair extensions in. Like, how long this, especially this dinner scene, because costumes of costumes, clothing of this time, if, even if it was an everyday deal for women of the time, even if it was normal for you, it was still a big deal to get dressed. And we are oh, yeah. not accustomed to that. You and I, we do not dress like this. How yeah. long did it take you from the time you arrived to film and they started your hair and makeup and your dressing? What was involved? Like, how long did that take to turn you into 1912s? Not that yeah. long. Really, wow. because, I'm impressed. Uh, yeah, no, I love the corset. You have to put the corset. Once the corset is on, you just have somebody who's going to attach you from behind. You know, it's fine. It's like, let's say like a 20 minute thing. Oh, wow. uh, the hair, though, they were long, but they put it on a chignon. Mm-hmm. You know, that could take like uh, probably 30 minutes. And the makeup, she, it was this beautiful British makeup artist. She was so cute. She barely put anything on me. It was very nice. a lot. It's true. Yeah. That was very, very little. And she would just go put a little powder, a little thing on my eyebrows. And she would go, lovely. And then oh. she would, she was adorable. This I would love that woman. And, um. I would say an hour and a half overall, but the thing is, remember, it's a period piece. There's a lot of extras. So extras would show up at four o'clock in the morning because they do have to be dressed and wearing makeup and hair. Mm -hmm. And then the actors are arriving at 630 in the morning, but everybody has to get ready. 
So we're not going to be in set before 11 or noon. We're not going to start shooting before two or three. We're going to start to have stuff in the can by four or five. So we're going to go over time. Over, 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 over time. Turnaround time, they call that. Where basically you make three times your salary in a day. Because you end up at you end up going home at two o'clock in the morning and you're back at six thirty. Oh, so yeah, but they're paying you for that. And then again, they do what they can. There are so many people to dress. You're not gonna ask people to not go to sleep, so they keep their hair and 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 clothing. They have to go to sleep. They have to rest a few hours before they can come back. So you see, that's uh, period pieces are very hard. Yeah, especially in water. <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah. I can only imagine what, you know, it's, I don't know much about fluid dynamics. Let's just get that out of the way. But what I do know is that water makes everything way more difficult. Yeah. It's very difficult. Once I had to do a love scene in water in a pool, like they started to make up and they swim and da da da. And then, you know, like they flirt with each other in the water. You need to. You need to be in good physical condition. And again, I mean, there's so many factors in the water that are going to fuck up the shot. So you need to redo and redo and redo and redo. And then... <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed by the link. And again, this is, this just goes right back to what we were talking about and how, you know, how much work creative people do to then get told, you know, oh, we're going to replace you with computer program. Yeah. That's just cruel. That's I'm, I'm so. What was your last sentence? You just said, "I'm sorry." I, I, I misunderstood. I think. Oh, I think I mumbled. I was saying it's it's very mean to tell people, you know, to as we were just discussing how much work goes into doing a creative performance. You know, you spend yeah. ninety minutes in hair and makeup. You wait around for six, seven hours. You work for six, seven hours more, and then at the end of the day, someone comes to you and says, "Hey." We think that we'd like to replace you with Adobe Photoshop. How does that sound? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, uh, you know, I mean, again, they're already doing it. Yeah. And that's, as I say, it's it's, it's disappointing because as we were just they're already testing... doing it and they will see the extent of the, I mean, they have already tested the extent of the limits of this process. And now if it's going forward. It's because they really know they don't need us. Yeah, and that's it's well, sad. not as many of us. Yeah. And it's disappointing because there's there's a reason that for so many years these have been human jobs. And eventually we you'll notice the difference in the same way that, you know, we look at Disney films now, for example, and make the comment, Oh, you know, I don't know how, but I can tell that this is computer rendered and not hand drawn. You can just tell that one was drawn by someone's hand, cell by cell, and put together, and another was rendered in a program. It doesn't mean that they're bad, but you can tell that one is missing that slight extra element of human involvement. Yeah. It's little things. I mean, it's it's going to be a lot less human involvement, but there's still going to be humans to decide, you know, how to finalize and how to target stuff. So, I, I mean... It's hard to talk about a process that I'm not familiar familiar with yet, but to be honest with you, again, it's what you're going to make of it. Uh, 
some people think that we're absolutely fucked. Some people think that there's always solutions to exist and coexist as human beings. But get on it. Stop cursing at AI. It's already here. Yeah. Find a way to collaborate with AI. That would be my uh, suggestions. And continue on doing what you're doing because it's not dead yet. Nothing is dead yet, you know. But you have to work on a transition and collaborate with a new world. You have no choice. It's happening. Yeah. And, and you want to play scary. Huh? Change is scary. It is. Well, nobody wants to, I mean, I'm 51, you know. I'm I'm I've been reinventing myself nonstop since 2018. So I'm like Okay, first of all, I'm not going to get much retirements because I've been an independent contractor all my life. That's my choice, I know. And, uh, you know, um, yes, we have some good investments in cryptocurrency. But then again, it's very volatile. We can lose everything in five minutes or in two years. So we have that. That might be our retirement. That might not be already. That's something else, you know. And then they are, again you have to learn how to monetize what you have to monetize on the internet, on social media, wherever, what is it that you can monetize on your own that people need right now. And it might have, doesn't have anything to do with, with uh, entertainment business, but you got to do, if you're an actor, you can say, hi guys, how are you today? I tried this. It was great. Da, da, da. You know, whatever it is, like, for example, you have a very beautiful vocal presence, you know, and you have that warmth in your pitch, right? So that pitch can make people, that ease people, it can calm them down, you know. What about making, like, a little uh, hypnosis video, say, hi, you know, I want you to inhale, excel, whatever. It's just an idea I have, you know, but okay, Mm -hmm. you have that pitch, Alexia. What can you do with it, even if you're not an actor yourself? But how could you monetize that voice from your booth right now? You know, what? You, you know, it's like, it's like be open with your own potentials and possibilities because today there are so many ways to sell our stuff online. Yeah. There are. And, you know, in the same way that I acknowledge, you know, it's like podcasting and stuff. I know that's not the only solution, but I really encourage people like, you know, I, you know, that to understand that change is scary and, you know, we're really, really empathetic to that. But know that this doesn't have to be the end for you. Like you are more than yeah. just this one aspect of your life. You are more than yes. just this thing. And you can be and you will be more than just this one thing. Yes. Yes to all of that. Let's look more at the positive than the negative. And fear always brings more fear and more negativity. You can be anxious, but don't 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 give in too much into the fear factor because it will paralyze you. And uh, the life has more imagination than we do in general. And we artists. So let's continue to have more imagination for a future. Yeah, just do your best. And uh, uh, where should I send my copay? This was very helpful. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like I just had a therapy session. Oh, uh, well, you're very welcome. Um, it's my job to know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an actor, but also voice director and voice casting. So I, I love to remove the fear from my people, you know, especially when I do a lot of coaching and dub uh, in dubbing from home also. And sometimes it's so cute. They're like, Oh my God, Fanny, I'm so impressed to be with you. I'm like, no, no, no. I said, I'm a human. You're a human. We collaborate. Let's breathe together. Inhale. 
Excel. Let's relieve what we don't need. You know, now you're going to listen to me, follow everything I'm telling you. If you do, as I'm saying to you, you're going to become a double just like that. And then we're going to ease into it. And then we collaborate. You know, you tell me what you like, what you don't like. But it's super important to, uh, when we're being creative together, is that everybody's at the same level. You know, it's not because I'm directing you that I know and you need to shut up. You know, no, it's what's going on? How are you feeling? Okay, she's a little nervous, so I'm going to give her extra confidence. Okay, she's a little loud because she's nervous, so I'm going to turn her down a little bit, tone her down. I'm going to make her go to her lower pitch so she sounds more dramatic, you know. I'm going to have her look again at the original because she's not really getting the part. But it's my job to remove all the parasites, thoughts that are going to impeach you on just providing the best you. <laughs> I want the best you. And I've practiced a lot in my career as an actor on being the best me, the the most authentic, authentic, you know? So because I practice as an actor, I can always bring my actors to, I can, I can help them to be the most truthful with themselves. And the first thing a lot of the time is removing fear or stress. And that is a beautiful and profound way, I think, to end this because I've taken up a lot of your time and I just want to also thank you for coming on you know of course and I hope that things get better for everybody you know I I hope that everyone comes out of this you know as, as best they can and that you know people are able to embrace their potential and hopefully I will see you at another Titanic convention someday in the in the future <laughs> yes um I do um are we still recording yeah you stopped the recording Okay. No, not yet. I can. So I, I have a favor to ask you. Titanic Talkline was created and produced by me, Alexia. Be sure to keep up with the show on all the social medias at Titanic Talkline on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is all one word. Titanic Talkline, T-I-T-A-N-I-C-T-A-L-K-L-I-N-E. If you want to get in touch, be on the show, sponsor the show, or have a question or anything you want to tell me, send me an email at titanictalkline, again, all one word, at gmail.com. That's titanictalkline at gmail.com. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Bye!